Hello again. Welcome to another VW podcast. This is our Silicon Valley review. Today we're talking about season five, episode two, reorientation. Aaron, are you ready? I'm ready. Did you watch reorientation? I did. I watched it a couple of nights ago. So I hope I am fresh. I'm going to give you the synopsis. Okay. Richard faces challenges while trying to unite new employees. Jin Yang goes to court. Gavin is questioned over his signature. Mm. Did you go to orientation in college? Yeah. Uh, law school. Did you go to orientation at law school? Yeah. Because you had I w- to. I went twice. Once for my first year, <laughs> yeah. once as a transfer. Yeah. I went to transfer student orientation as well. Yeah. They, they treat you like second rate students. Oh, yeah. For sure. Which is a little offensive considering transfer law students pay full price. Not me. I got in-state tuition. Well, okay. That's full price. Well, I, also I'm got saying, a, I got a scholarship for being a graduate. Okay. Generally speaking, transfer yeah. students at law schools don't get any scholarships right. from the law school. Yeah. I got an alumni scholarship. It was $1,000. A year? year? Mm-hmm. Ooh. It's big money. Did yeah. you report that? Do you have to report income, that on, on your taxes? or Do you have to report your taxes? More important no. question. I okay. mean, I'm a sovereign citizen, so obviously I do not <laughs> have to report my taxes. Let's get back to reorientation because I was very confused. So- since we're doing this review, I'm taking this very seriously. I go and I look at the show description prior to watching the show, right? And it said reorientation. So the whole episode, I was wondering what the reorientation was or what what the initial orientation was. Do you have that figured out? I think the reorientation, there are a couple of different meanings. The first is they just acquired slice line and optimoji. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of a reorientation of the Optimoji programmers that have joined SliceLine first and now Pied Piper. And I think it's also a reorientation in the sense of it was a dysfunctional workplace Mm -hmm. and it has now been reoriented into not being as dysfunctional. Well, there's no one left. Well, there's that. that. That's the part I got out of it is, okay, which direction is the ship going? And now it's been reoriented. But it's been reoriented back to where it was before episode one started, right? Where it's just two programmers and actually one of their one of their all-stars, one of their stallions is now sick. Yeah. So look, I really, I love the show. I did not like this episode. I yeah. just didn't feel like it did a whole lot. I don't know what it's setting up. I feel like the show's getting further and further away from sort of substantive Silicon Valley themes and it's more just turning into a regular comedy. I feel like there's a lot of time spent on Gavin Belson's signature, right. which was funny. And I yeah. like I like the Banksy reference because you know we've right. got some some Banksy prints around the office here and I love Banksy. But I felt that, that was a real stretch. Yeah. Right for for a topic in the show. Also, I did take a look at where these writers get their information. But take a look at means I read one Vanity Fair article oh, yeah. that our producer sent to me. It said that the writer, the head writer, Alec Berg, he says they try and pull their inspiration from Silicon Valley, but it didn't mention anything about getting actual tips. Now, most of the stuff is really good, I think. Right. The craziness of the pitches that go in there, the ideas, remember the hot dog one, right? The yeah. Or the food yeah. thing? Hot dog, not hot dog. Yeah, but some of that stuff is legit, right? Like some of those things are similar to what we see. I was thought I was going to uncover in my little bit of research, them saying, oh yeah, well, we consult with this VC and we consult with this startup. And it didn't say any of that. So maybe that's just as a reflection of this is how crazy real life startups are is that they, the, the show writers can write silly stories and they're a reflection of real life. I wouldn't be surprised if they do actually consult with 
VCs or startups, but I also wouldn't be surprised if those VCs or startups didn't want to be named as, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, we consult. But if, if that's the case, then I would think that they would just say, oh, yeah, we talk to certain VCs and, and startups around town. and I will continue to investigate. Yeah, please do. All right, so let's walk through the episode. Dineshka ordered a Tesla. Yes, he did. He's got that. Now, he had ordered it, obviously, previously, right, a, way, right. a while before. So he's got making some good money. Yeah, if he's got the Tesla coming in, because that that I know of, Tesla was going to put like a thirty five thousand dollar year they model. Did. Oh, they, but oh, it's yeah. not. That wasn't it, isn't it? No, like a little no. hatchback or something. It's not. I mean, it's it's a smaller sedan right. than the Model S, but yeah, the Model Three, the one that Dinesh got was a Model S. Okay, and what are those going for? A hundred grand, eighty grand? Something yeah, like I that? mean, fully loaded, like he got it, it's north of a hundred thousand. So not sure where they got. No oh, wait, Dinesh, he sold. Did he make some money when he sold the chat app? Yeah, I feel episodes, like two seasons ago. Yeah, I feel like his money is not Pied Piper related. Right. That might be it. So you've got the Dinesh ordering a Tesla and the kind of the back and forth between Dinesh and Guilfoyle, which I I enjoy their rivalry. You've got Jin Yang and this dead pig thing. I'm really tired of the storyline. You're laughing. You like that storyline? I, I like Jin Yang. I like, but he's Ehrlich is a fat pig, and Ehrlich is a fat Eric. 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 That's Wait, what he, he always calls Eric him. or Ehrlich. I think he's calling him Eric. Yeah. Okay. Is that his first name? No, it's Eric. It's Ehrlich. It's, it's Ehrlich Bachman. Bachman right, but right. I think Jin Yang just calls him Eric, Eric because maybe he doesn't know that his name's Ehrlich, and maybe he just doesn't care. Right. That's probably it. But the, the the pig, and then he's trying to pick the pig up out of the back of his car and to take it, and then at the end of the episode, someone says it smells like bacon in here. I think it's a silly plot line. You know, my pig found itself so smart <laughs> that it would jump over the fence into the next pig's pen and eat all that pig's food and then jump over the fence and eat all that pig's food and jump over the fence and eat <laughs> all that pig's food. If anyone gets that reference, send us an email to podcast at valowoodlaw.com. Tell us what it's referencing and we will send you a t-shirt. I promise. All right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we got the Jin Yang storyline. Richard is a still scared as heck to talk to anyone. He got befuddled in talking to his new team of engineers, turned around, rammed his nose into the uh, glass mirror. He's got a bloody nose. I am just so confused because it seems like throughout one episode, he will go from being pretty competent right. and pretty confident. And then, you know, the next minute you'll see him and he is just bumbling and can't talk to I people. I feel like we've and, had this conversation before right. too, not just last week, but in years prior. Right. That the character is just not growing, and it's very odd for a startup founder with as much experience as he has, just any person in general, right, right. who's in a leadership position, to not grow or change at all. So I'm kind of at the point where I'm disappointed in that. Right. Jared had a couple of great lines. He talked about when Al Gore invented the internet, right? Jared's just so straight-laced. Jared talked about when he's been nervous because he met Ira Glass yes. one time. <laughs> I mean, I would be very nervous if I met <laughs> yeah, Ira which Glass. Which I thought was hilarious. So the Jared character just continued. Like Dinesh, great character. You know, uh, Guilfoyle. I love the rifle. Jin Yang. I'm tired of the plot line. I like Jin Yang. You like Jin Yang. Richard, totally over. I would love more Jared and more Jin Yang. And I... That would just make a me spin so off of them too. Yeah, Jared with his three day orientation, they're going to do trust falls. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you get really wired after yeah. those trust falls. Yeah, that was it. So, but the orientation completely fell apart. You've got the Optimoji developers not interacting with with the developers from SliceLine, and then Jared gives up and gives them his big rah rah speech about, "Look, we're building the next internet. So, do you want to be a part of this? If not, you can just get up and go, and we'll pay your severance." And then he turns around and then slowly but surely every single developer right. walks out. I guess that was supposed to be a big cliffhanger, right? Like what is the company going to do now? They don't have any developers. 
but it just felt so forced to me. I'm yeah. I'm just not that curious. I I will continue to watch one for all our fans out there. Oh yeah. Right? Okay, so moving on through the episode, there wasn't a whole lot of real legal stuff no. to talk about here, right? I was trying to take notes on it. I didn't catch anything. Uh, they bring all their dogs to work, which would be my freaking nightmare to have that many dogs. That's why I don't want dogs at our office. Well, one yeah. at least doesn't allow it, but that would be an absolute nightmare for me working in an environment like that with dogs everywhere. Because you hate dogs. I, I love my dog. You're very affectionate with your dog. I would never want my dog in the office. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Well, do you hate dogs? No, but I don't mind other people's dogs in the office. I, I just don't want mine because she is very high energy and very poorly behaved. What are we doing about that? Nothing really, because it's watching her constantly. It's on too camera. late. Yeah. It is too late. Yeah, old dog, new tricks. Yeah, yeah. No hope there. So they have the dogs in the office. That obviously is a big cluster. I mean, Richard is just failing and failing and failing. Curious to see how long until Monica or Lori take note of this, right? And maybe start to institute some sort of board control or yeah. bring in another adult, another Jack Barker to help run this thing. Then you've got what's going on at Hooli. Uh, he fires someone else in the middle. Yeah. Of a meeting, he just asked that person to leave. <laughs> I like that. I hope they do that every episode. That's funny to me. And then this is their parody on corporate America, which I think is pretty far removed from how close they are, right? They're really close, Aaron, with the storylines they come up with regarding venture and startups. I think they're pretty far on corporate America, but to make this box even better, they're going to make it the signature series. Yeah. And then they went and got Banksy to do Gavin's signature. But Banksy had to autograph it himself. Right. That's just the way it goes. And Gavin didn't like that. No. This was one of those storylines that I was sort of like, okay, this is maybe funny, but I couldn't really tell. Aaron, there is one business-related point that I can make from the episode, and that is Jared talks about he needs to, in order to lead the team, you have to be inspirational. And so I think we can take this for any of those, the startup founders out there listening. That is going to be a role that most likely you as a CEO needs to play. Now, in a rare instance, you can have a CEO that is not the vocal leader, that is really just the workhorse showing up, doing all the work, is the brains, is you know the intelligence behind everything. But nine times out of 10, maybe 95 times out of 100, the CEO needs to be ready to get up there and talk and lead. And if that's not you right now, it can be you, right? And that's why you can have a board, you can have advice, you can have people help you, coaches, teach you, that is a skill you can acquire. You don't have to be great at it, but at least being comfortable speaking in front of a room, trying to put the message out. But any of you out there that are listening to their founders, you go out and raise money, you have 20, 30 employees, some point in time, you have to be up, get up and be in front of them. And if that's something you're not comfortable with and you just know you'll never be comfortable with, that needs to be addressed now because you need to find someone who can lead because the organization is going to need a leader. Yeah. I think it is extremely rare for the founder of a company to be the CEO of that company forever or until it's acquired or yeah. until it exits. Usually there comes a point where it's time to go get an outside CEO or there comes a point where you as the founder CEO has taken, has taken the company as far as possible. And sometimes you get pushed out. Right. Hopefully you it's at a point in time where you recognize. Rare, yeah. Every once in a while, I'd say maybe if we're going to look at the top unicorns, you know, the unicorns the last five years, I would just guess that a third of them, probably the same founder, Close to two thirds, maybe, you know, that's 33%, maybe 40, 50% new founder, and then maybe, or new CEO, maybe 10 to 15% pushed out. Right. Right. But that's definitely uh, the path. Today, Aaron, we were talking in that Dallas Startup Week event, and nice someone plug. asked about, someone asked about control. Well, I want to keep control of the company forever and things. And I said, look, you're going to have to get comfortable. This company's going to grow. It's probably going to outgrow you. 
And sometimes you just got to let your baby go in order for it to be as successful as it can be. And it can't be just about you because you're going to have investors, you're going to have other stakeholders, right. you're going to have employees. So I think that's something we can take away from this is, is Richard, can he be a leader? I mean, maybe this is the show is just setting him up. And then I, I'll feel a lot better about it if they set this whole thing up to just show that he's not the leader. Yeah. And that they're going to replace him. I mean, from a sort of a technical standpoint, I think he is spot on. He knows the technical aspects of it. But in terms of the management of the company, the investor relations, those sorts of things, I don't think he's an effective leader. All right. So that wraps up season five, episode two. This is the Silicon Valley Review. Remember, questions or comments, hit us up, podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. Show notes are on our blog, VelaWoodLaw, or by the link in the iTunes episode description. Before we get to the last point, Aaron, I want to let people know. So this is the season two, excuse me, episode two. We were a little late on this one. This will probably be posted very closely episode three. So by the time this one comes out, episode three might be, the episode three review might be out as well. So please check that out. And as always, remember, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is the Vela Wood Silicon Valley Review. Five stars only, please. Thank you. The Velawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at